Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today's episode is super straightforward. Some things you need to know about protein, and it will be probably a little bit shorter because I don't have much of a voice, and we are going to try to get this recorded before it goes completely. I want everybody to first get on the same page with a couple of basic things that you probably know about protein but then touch on a few things that I think many people don't know that are very likely tripping them up. From the high level, when we talk about macronutrients, protein is one of them. When we talk about macronutrients, we tend to be focused on protein, carbohydrate, and fat. Alcohol is also a macronutrient, but for our purposes today, we are referring to protein, carbohydrate, and fat. People get confused sometimes. Fruit is not a macronutrient. Fruits are carbohydrates, right? Carbs are the macro. Fruit is not a macronutrient, just like dairy is not a macronutrient. Vegetables are not a macronutrient. Vegetables are carbohydrates. Dairy is a combination, depending on what type we're talking about, that includes carbs and proteins and fats. Today, we're talking about protein. And your body cannot manufacture protein, which means you need to consume it to ensure you're giving your body what it needs. Protein is a macronutrient that is going to help you satisfy your hunger and reduce cravings so long as you don't overconsume it. We'll talk about this more in a couple of minutes, but I just want to make the point right out of the bat, right out of the bat, that's not right, right out of the gate, that overconsuming protein, even from whole food sources, can increase both hunger and craving. So there is this tipping point. If we overconsume protein, we can make things harder for ourselves related to hunger and cravings. But if we eat enough and not too much, we can reduce hunger and cravings. Protein tends to make people feel fuller faster than carbs or fat. But when we overconsume it, that whole story changes. And what we're going to do today is kind of geek out on the why there. But let's assume we are not overconsuming protein. Many of us are, but just for the sake of explaining how protein helps to minimize hunger, let's assume we're not overconsuming it. There are cellular receptors on the cells both inside and out of your gut, your GI tract, right? When we stimulate these receptors, we increase our appetite. We want to eat more. When we block the receptors, we reduce our appetite, right? Which is shown clinically in human research to reduce how much we eat. When we block those receptors, we reduce appetite, we eat less. And dietary protein 
helps to block those receptors. All right. But again, the big picture there is when we are not over consuming it, which really leads me to what I wanted to spend the majority of our time talking about today and where people really screw themselves up around the notion that there is no storage form for protein. All right. Protein is needed to maintain your lean mass and also to heal and repair tissues throughout your body. But anything beyond the minimum amount your body needs to maintain your lean mass and do repairs throughout your body, it can't be stored, which means the storage form for protein is often glucose, sugar. Excess protein is converted into glucose in the liver through a process called gluconeogenesis, right? Gluco meaning glucose, neo meaning new, genesis to create, creating new sugar from protein when you consume more than that baseline amount your body needs. Many of you are probably familiar with the name Mark Sisson. He's sort of the father of the paleo movement over at Primal Blueprint, and he's got all sorts of books and cookbooks and now even some products like the Primal Kitchen Mayo that I often refer to and things like that. But he refers to this this notion, this challenge really that a lot of people are missing the boat on with protein not being able to be stored as such and creating new glucose from protein. He says a high protein diet is really a high carb fat storing diet. And this is why when people are trying to follow a ketogenic diet, most of us when we think keto or ketogenic, we think very low carb, very high fat. But the reason people mess up ketogenic diets is because they don't understand that in order to be on a ketogenic diet, following a ketogenic diet, you have to keep protein relatively low because if you don't, you're not going to get the benefits of the low-carb diet because the excess protein triggers gluconeogenesis, the creation of new glucose. I can understand that this would confuse a lot of people who wonder, well, how do people lose weight when they're on a high-protein diet, right? It's a very valid point. Number one is they cut the carbs. So for them, it is an improvement because they are not having as much glucose in their system as they were when they were eating a higher-carb diet, right? So that's number one. Cutting out carbs not only will help you to burn fat or lowering them significantly and getting rid of the starches and sugars, but also it helps you get rid of a lot of water because those carbs, when stored in your body as sugar, they hang on to a lot of water. The other reason that people lose weight on a higher protein diet is because protein does a good job of reducing appetite and people do tend to eat less overall. So initially it is an improvement for them. And with having cut carbs and and seeing fat loss because of that and water loss because of that, they often have fewer cravings. So protein helps them to be more satisfied. Also helps cutting the carbs helps with those cravings. But just like crash dieting can work for a little bit, it's not necessarily a long-term effective strategy and it's not necessarily without its drawbacks. We all want to consume enough protein to maintain our lean mass, but not necessarily to consume more than that. Now, if you are a person who is trying to put on muscle weight, to put on weight in the form of muscle, then obviously you'd want to eat more than you would need to maintain 
But talking to folks who have the goal primarily of fat loss, we have been over-encouraged to consume protein. And one of the big reasons we've been over-encouraged in that way is because it's a huge revenue model for shakes and bars and all sorts of high-protein snacks, right? But that is not necessarily helping us out. The advent of all of these bars and all of these shakes and all of these workout supplements that are just protein, 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 it has people, and you can find these online calculators that say, oh yeah, you should be eating about a gram of protein for every pound of body weight. And for 95% of people, that is way, way, way too much. Now, I am a huge fan not so much of counting macros, counting calories, but rather paying attention to your body. But with protein, I really want to talk about the numbers for a second just because so many of people are recommending a gram per pound of body weight and even more. In fact, this is like, I'm not going to name any names here, but there is a very... I'll call them famous company that recommends custom macronutrients for people. And I've heard from folks that use them that their interface, their client interface, their coaching interface is fantastic. So I wanted to see this interface so that I can create something similar within my fat loss fast track without the macro counting part. So I'm like, awesome. I'll go in there. I'll do it. I'll tell them that I can work out six days a week, that, you know, I've I've lost, you know, over 130 pounds, all of this stuff. And they recommended well over one gram of protein per pound of my body weight to me. And at first I was like, oh, my God, that's insane. I can never do that. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a try for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. I was overeating so significantly. Not only was I not hungry, right? And I was like, oh, the last thing I want is another piece of chicken. But I was like, you know what? Hey, I'll give it a shot. Like, I'm not against trying something and seeing how my body reacts to it. But more than one gram of protein per pound of my body weight, this is a paid recommendation. And yeah, you know, they recommend shakes and bars and all of this stuff, which you'd have to consume to get that much protein. And it's a disservice to a lot of people because they're like, hey, you know, I'm eating eggs, I'm eating fish, I'm eating chicken. That's all good stuff. But like Mark Sisson says, a high protein diet is effectively a high carbohydrate diet because you can't do anything with the excess you can't store it. You you either deaminate it and you kind of burden your kidneys. But the but the most common thing that the body does with this excess protein is create glucose through gluconeogenesis, right? So we've seen these recommendations ranging around one gram of protein per pound of body weight, even one gram of protein per pound of lean mass. And that is just too much for the average bear, right? For the average bear. To, for a general rule of thumb, and again, I'm only bringing this up because this information is so widespread and misleading and really making a lot of people struggle unnecessarily and spend a lot of extra money on food that they don't necessarily need and decreasing their consumption of healthy fats and vegetables because when they consume this much protein, that's like all there's room for. For most people, especially folks who don't work out for a living, right? I don't think there's many people that are listening to this podcast that are professional athletes, but if you're working out, you know, every day, multiple days a week for roundabout, you know, an hour, even up to a couple hours, which I don't think is necessary, but even if you are, even with that level of activity, you are going to be just fine meeting your body's repair needs and maintaining your lean mass at or even slightly below a half a gram of protein per pound 
of lean mass, not total body weight, lean mass. And I've done an example calculation of that over on the show notes for this episode at primalpotential.com. Elite athletes, you know, can get closer to that uh, 0.7 grams per pound of lean mass. Even elite athletes, uh, up to one gram per pound of lean mass, but that's not total body weight. So what do I mean when I say lean mass? Basically, your body weight minus your fat mass. Now, a lot of people don't know their body fat percentage, and that's fine. You don't have to. Just focus on eating a little less protein if you think you're falling into this camp of overconsuming, or maybe you're struggling to get results, even though you're eating really clean, right? I've definitely fallen into this trap many, many times before. Overeating chicken or having protein shakes. I don't need that, right? Four grilled chicken strips is not a snack that I need, especially when I'm having protein with my meals. So I'll give you an example calculation here for those of you who do know your approximate body fat percentage. But again, you don't need to know this. You can just play around eating a little less protein, eating a little bit more vegetables, non-starchy vegetables, and seeing how you feel. But let's say that somebody is 200 pounds and 30% body fat, all right? So they're 200 pounds of total weight, 30% body fat, 30% of 200 is 60. So 60 pounds of their 200-pound weight is fat. So if we subtract that out, 200 minus 60 is 140, which means that 140 pounds is their lean mass, okay? lean mass. If we're saying a half a gram of protein per pound of lean mass, half of 140 is 70, right? Now, this next thing I want to chat about is going to ruffle the feathers of everybody out there on the internet trying to sell their protein shakes and bars, but it's true. You do not need to consume consume protein within 30 or 60 or even 90 minutes after a workout or your muscles will disappear. It's not real. It's not real. In fact, and I've talked about this before um, on some of the weight training episodes, when you do that, when you rush for your post-workout shake or your meal or your bar, you turn off, you blunt many of the hormonal benefits of the workout. You sort of truncate that catabolic process and those cellular benefits and your body immediately goes, oh, okay, well now we need to reroute our resources for digestion and absorption and nutrient storage. You should eat when you are really hungry after a workout, but you do not need to shotgun protein to your muscles right after your workout. You won't die and you will not start to break down your muscles for fuel. Because here's the thing, guys. We've got hips. We've got thighs. We've got fat on our arms and fat on our on our midsection. Your body is going to preferentially burn that fat, not your muscle, right? I've heard it explained, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, and it really resonated with me, that assuming that your body is just going to immediately start to break down your muscle is like having a, a, a whole bunch of wood by your fire, but instead deciding to use the couch instead. Your body is, you know, take the couch, throw that in the fire for fuel. Your body is very intelligent and understands the value of your muscle tissue versus the value of your fat. And it's going to burn that fat first. And in order to sell shakes and bars and post-workout recovery drinks, who created this story of like, oh my gosh, no, seriously, your body's going to consume your muscle if you don't get this protein in there within 30 minutes after your workout. No, it's not. Not only is that not going to happen, but you're not getting the full benefit of the catabolic processes following your workout if you rush to funnel that protein shake or that post-workout meal, right? Eat when you're legitimately and intensely hungry. 
that matters. But do not overconsume protein because of myths and misinformation because excess protein is going to be used to generate glucose and can totally thwart all of your attempts to have a lower carb diet or a diet that really moderates insulin release for all of the health benefits that come with that. So I've done a few episodes on protein before where I go a lot deeper into what it does and why it matters as well as what are some examples of proteins that you could consume. I'll link to those over in the show notes. I don't want to take our time together today to go into all that as I've done it before and I'll link those up over on primalpotential.com. But the takeaway that I want you to have from this episode is, you know, do you need double meat on your salad? No. Do you need to snack on protein shakes and protein bars? Probably not. Do you need to eat a steak the size of your face? No. Do you need to go back for seconds on protein just because it's a whole food? Probably not. Right. So instead of worrying about the exact numbers and freaking out about the grams, look at where you are over consuming protein now, maybe by adding it in as a snack, maybe by having a protein shake, maybe by having seconds. I promise you that there are low hanging fruit opportunities for improvement that you have right now. You do not need to stress about macros and numbers and counting and how many grams of protein and what your body fat percentage is so you can figure you don't have to get caught up in that. Look honestly at what you're eating, how much and when, and I guarantee that you will be able to find opportunities for improvement there because a high carb, a high protein diet, excuse me, is metabolically a high carb diet when you are consuming more protein than what your body needs. And when you do that, when you are constantly going into this state of gluconeogenesis and creating new glucose from the excess protein you're consuming, you're going to have the same effects that you would have on a higher carb diet, more hunger, more cravings, more fatigue, more mood instability. So look carefully at what you've been eating and how much and when, and just identify what is an improvement for you to make sure that you're not falling into this trap of consuming too much protein. Talk to you guys soon. I hope you have a really great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. 
Visit gcu.edu. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.